Hey listeners, did you know that Yogi Triathlete offers endurance coaching for body and mind? We offer personalized training plans for endurance sports, wellness and mindset, nutrition and recovery guidance, and race preparation and strategy, all within the supportive community of Team Yogi Triathlete. So if you're ready to conquer your fitness goals and push your limits, our endurance coaches are ready to guide you on the journey to peak performance. Go to yogitriathlete.com today to set up your free 30-minute discovery call and embrace a future of strength, stamina, and achievement. Your goals, our experience, the perfect match for unstoppable success. The bottom line is at the end of the day, every single person who crosses that finish line has achieved something great regardless of whether it's a 5K or it's an Ironman. The challenge is different for everybody. Doesn't matter what the distance or what the race, because we never know what's happening behind the scenes for each individual that's on that start line. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 403 of the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are your hosts, Jess and BJ, and sharing the mic with us today is one of the loveliest sounding guests we've ever had on the show. Joanne Murphy is among the most sought after race day announcers worldwide, but she is so much more than her beautiful brogue articulation. Joanne is a longtime triathlete and cyclist founder of the all-female Galway Babe Cycling Team, global Ironman Women for Try ambassador, host of the popular Try Talking Sport podcast, and a woman who leaped in 2016 to follow her dream to work full-time in the arena of sport, a career launched from a fractured pelvis that she now considers one of the silver linings of her life. Originally from Cork, but now based in Galway in the west of Ireland, she is a recognized voice on the Ironman finish line in Ireland and the UK, and was the first ever female voice to grace the Ironman World Championship announcing team. She is an inspiration to many, as it seems there is no end to her energy. However... I think, as she'll share with us today, just how intense and exhausting being a race announcer can be, especially stepping in as the lead announcer at the 2023 World Championship in Kona, a day dedicated to women accomplishing their dreams. We're so honored to be talking with Joanne today and grateful she is here to share her boundless enthusiasm with this community today. Joanne Murphy, welcome to the show. Wow. Thank you so much for that introduction. I'm like, who are they talking about? That's not me, is it? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it's <laughs> fabulous uh, introduction, and thank you so much for having me on the show. You're in sunny San Diego, and I'm in chilly Galway, so I'm not jealous at all of your heat. <laughs> what is? Um, I know it, it is pretty nice here. Uh, Mike Riley is just down the street here. He's posted up, um, uh, probably riding the coast today. Um, so. So you're a busy lady. Um, you've got a lot of things going on, but we did just see that you've got Mallorca 70.3 as your own race to, uh, to get after. So what is, what have you done today so far? Cause it's the end of your day. What is, what did training look like today? Um, I didn't do anything today. <gasps> I've had loads of meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I've had loads of meetings today. I'm actually on a little bit of a break away from the microphone. So a conscious decision to take January off from being, 
I suppose, in the public eye is, is one way to put it. Um, so I've lots of meetings, catching up on 2023 work and then planning for this year into next year and into 2026, which is kind of scary. Um, so I'm actually going swimming after the podcast uh, finishes today. So all is not lost. I'm meeting a gang to go for a little swim and sauna this afternoon because it just has to be done. Yeah, it has to be done and making time for it, right? Like sometimes work gets ahead of the training, but um, just making note here for all of the athletes on Team Yogi Triathlete that you are making time at the end of the day to let your yes be yes. Well, this is the thing and a trick I was taught by a podcast guest back, uh, I think about two years ago, was that if you don't schedule the training in and put your biro down or close your laptop at the time that you want to do it, you'll continue to work on the project or the job that you're working on. So it takes a lot of discipline to be able to say, okay, at five o'clock, I am closing the laptop and I am making my way to the pool or to the bike or to the run or to the gym or whatever it is. Um, So what I've started doing, because my routine is as you can imagine, being on the road most of the time, um, it's quite fractured. So what I've started doing is my training is actually planned into my working day in inverted commas whilst I'm here. So it's training is a meeting. And so it's non-negotiable. So you have to turn up to your meetings unless something is wrong. So you have to turn up to your training. It's not that you have to do it, but it's almost like ticking off the box to say, okay, I met that person today to talk about an event in six months time, I'm now meeting with myself at six o'clock in the pool to discuss my race on the 11th, the 11th of May in Mallorca. So that's kind of the little bit of um, conscious uh, decision making that I made this year as part of my plan to get race fit, to be able to finish the race. Do you feel as you transitioned more into this role, like it it demanded more of you, you had to do that because your your training was falling to be second place or has it always been like something you're adamant about? Yeah, it's it's more a case of the, the the mental, emotional and physical fatigue from being a race announcer because it's not like a normal nine to five, Monday to Friday job, you know, where you can just turn up and you can go to meetings and you can do the daily grind. You're giving so much of yourself to the athletes, to the event, from the race preparation to the race itself, to the awards. You're always on. There's no, you know, it's only when you close your door that you're behind closed doors that you're really not on if you think of like a show almost. Um, So it does take a lot out of you. And then there's a lot of travel as well, because I live in Ireland. Um, I have to travel a lot of the time abroad for the Ironman races. So that comes with its own fatigue, I guess, as well. So um, I've definitely made a conscious decision to try and be as consistent as possible with my training. Like I'm really good from January to June because it's almost the quiet time. There's a few little bits and pieces. There's not that much uh, travel. But once we hit, you know, May, it starts to ramp up quite a bit. So the last two years, I've done a 24 hour bike race that I've been able to do because it's just one discipline. It was part of a team of eight. So I was able to get the bike training in, but to try and do the three sports and the additional strengthening additioning that we kind of need as we hit our mid 40s is actually really hard. Um, so I don't know how people train for an Ironman or an Ironman 70.3 or multiple races. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the process so far. I've raced this race uh, a few times um, prior to 2017. So I'm looking forward to going back to Mallorca and the after party is absolutely incredible. Um, as well. So that's part of the reason that there's a big gang of us going to Mallorca. Oh, I love it. Um, 
this is this is so great. You're going you're making time for your swim tonight, but in 2009, you could not swim. You did your first triathlon, but somebody else did the swim for you. And mm. that can be a barrier for people like, "Oh, I would do a triathlon, but I can't swim." And so, what do you think was the biggest barrier for you to getting in there and and learning how to swim? Because it didn't stop you from signing up for the first triathlon, but you didn't do the swim on that first triathlon, if I've done my research correctly. Um, yeah, what what do you think was that barrier, uh, and how did you overcome it? Well, I think um, first of all, it was taking the plunge to actually decide. Okay, I can bike and run, even if I can't swim. I had a good friend who was a great swimmer who said they would absolutely love to be part of a team. And I remember standing on the shores of Galway Bay the morning of the swim going, there is no way I could swim in this water um, or these conditions. Uh, I mean, I had done swimming as a kid, but we were living in the country where the nearest pool was the far side of the city. The sea was miles away, which is very different to the way uh, my life has panned out. Now I live right on the coast um, here in Galway. Um, but actually, the biggest thing was joining the triathlon club. So the, the the triathlon journey started through a different sport, through tag rugby, through friends of mine. Um, everybody seemed to be getting a bike or doing a bit of running. So we all kind of just, we were spinning across out of tag rugby into triathlon or into endurance sport. And the opportunity arose for this new race that was happening in Galway at the time. And so I said, sure, why not give it a go? And then I joined the triathlon club, which has been a pivotal point, um, really, in terms of enjoying the sport, getting the social aspect of it, getting training buddies. Um, in fact, some of the people I'm meeting tonight for the swim are people I met 10 years ago. Um, you know, so I went to swim lessons with the club and started at the back of the class and I'm still at the back of the class, but in a different group, <laughs> a slightly faster group than I was. Um, but I suppose of the three disciplines, the swimming is probably my weakest. It's not my least favorite. Um, but you know, you just keep plugging away at it and, um, I, I enjoy it, but definitely joining a tri club, uh, was a huge part of, of the transition from being a non-athlete to being a triathlete. Yeah, because you're not you're not in this alone. I think we, it's a common thread in in the guests that we interview. Getting over these hurdles, it's not as smooth when you're by yourself. But when you start to involve community, even if they're not doing anything, just to be together with them in that energy, then you're able to kind of push through and get to the other side of things. How has how is community influenced? Um, other things in your life that maybe you have been a little bit hesitant to to pursue? Well, community is everything really, isn't it? Because you don't want to be a lone wolf. There's no fun if you're on your own. And I'm a very social person, as my job probably shows as well. Very social, work with different teams uh, every weekend, every event. It, generally, it's a different team that we're working with. Um, but, you know, I think part of being part of the community is actually giving back as well. So I didn't just become a triathlete and take, take, take from the people who were delivering from a committee perspective. I sat on the um, triathlon committee for the guts of, I think it was from 2010 until 2015. I was the chairperson of our club committee in 2015. And then when I moved into working on my own with Try Talking Sport as part of my own company, I felt there was little bits of conflict around sponsorships and partnerships and that. So I stepped back, but I'm still involved. I still do a lot of the PR for the 
Tri Club. And then I also was involved at the business club for, I'm still there as well since 2009. It was a pivotal year, really. Um, 2009, and I'm still involved with that business club as well, a former president of that club. Um, so I think that it's, community is, is so important. And whether you're getting actively involved in the sport or whether you're on the sidelines giving back, um, it doesn't really matter because you're getting that social aspect. And that's a huge part of why we do this, really. I mean, we don't really do it for the swim, bike and run. Do you do it for the swim, bike and run? No, no. I mean, I, 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 I love the people and I want to be able to get up and down off the floor in 25 years without pain. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. Like I can't imagine yeah. my life. It's been, we've been in the sport now almost two decades and, um, and I can't imagine my life without being able to jump on my bike or jump in the pool. And, and when things, you know, I'm in my fifties now and, and when things happen in the body, it's so amazing that you have other sports that you can lean into. And then people too, like everybody has experienced their time in the sport, their time on the sidelines, their, you know, their disappointments. And there's just, there's such a camaraderie that, that stands, um, the test of time. It's, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And the other thing as well that I don't know about you guys, but because I travel so much, I don't always get to engage with the tri-club activities, you know, so I mightn't be able to make the seven o'clock swim, but I'll certainly make the 8.30 a.m. breakfast club. And that's as important, turning up for the breakfast club and the cup of coffee afterwards, because that's where then I'm like, okay, I'm not fast enough to go in your Wednesday morning swim class, but I'll meet you for coffee and you can motivate me to go for my swim class tonight. You know, so there's that kind of aspect as well. And what's the hashtag? Misery loves company. And uh, with the miserable weather we get in Galway, 90% of the winter time <laughs> when it's wet and drizzly, I'm not really selling it. But that social aspect <laughs> is huge. And the accountability, because that's the other part of it that's really important, I think, as well. Because if you have accountability, so if I arrange to meet a friend, I can't bail on the friend because they want to get their training done. And I would hope that they wouldn't bail on me for, for a session as well. So um, yeah, community is is huge. And look at the the way communities are engaging now. We were chatting before we came on the show about how both our podcasts have changed in terms of reaching out to the community and connecting with our communities because we can now do everything online. So I'm talking to you from Ireland. You're talking to me from America. Pre-COVID, would that have happened? Possibly not. Yeah, I know. We it's... would have had to track you down at some race and be like, Joanne, <laughs> come on our podcast. We got our mics right here. Calling <laughs> <laughs> them all the way across yeah. the Atlantic. <laughs> so um, community, you are clearly you're a leader. Um, you know, you were prior to taking the leap into a career in sport, you were in fundraising. So, you know, gathering the troops and, and doing things for a higher purpose. And now you're really a leader. I mean, a true leader in the community of triathlon, like literally you are at the top, you are in the announcing tower. Um, tell us a little, tell us about, not a little bit, like let's go into your story. Cause you took a leap and, and we love to dig into that leap uh, because we believe, you know, the the whole reason why we're sitting here right now on the Yogi Triathlete podcast is because we took a leap too. And um, so I want to dig in a little bit to your story. Tell us how you you got yourself to where you are today. Yeah, it's a, it's a very long story. Um, I'll try and keep it short, but ultimately 
I, I, I'll talk about maybe the triathlon journey rather than the the, the life the life journey before that. But um, as I mentioned, I was in the triathlon club um, back in two thousand and nine, uh, and or sorry, my first triathlon in two thousand and nine, and then in two thousand and ten, got involved with the triathlon club, and I was involved with our local race as well. So I was involved with that, and we were hosting a race in two thousand and eleven, um, an aquathon, and I was the beginners officer of the tri club, and I was we've all got a saying in Ireland to make a long story short it never happens by the way it's always a long story but to make a long story short what happened was a couple of days before that aquathon happened the guys were you know we've no DJ we've no MC and I said sure look I'll do it I know everybody I'm the beginners officer if I don't know somebody I'll just make up a story and that is literally how it all came to be so having worked in fundraising as you mentioned I was no stranger to public speaking, which obviously you need to be able to do as um, a race announcer. And so at that race, the Aquathon, the local guys that were bringing Ironman to Ireland through the UK um, asked me if I would be interested in being the announcer with Mike Riley in Ireland, in Galway in 2011. And I thought, oh yeah, that sounds lovely, but no thanks. I am racing, I'm training, I am doing this amazing race that is coming to Galway. That's all anybody can talk about. And unfortunately, I was injured and I had to pull out of the race. So I went back to the guys with my tail between my legs and I said, is there any chance I could have that job again? I'd love to do it and be involved. And literally, that is the short version of the story. Mike Riley came to Ireland because it was the first ever Ironman event in Ireland. And myself and Mike hit it off. We had great fun. Um, the weather was atrocious. The swim was shortened. The sound system was great. But the system, as a race announcer, you have a system whereby names come up as they hit. People hit the, the mat, the tracking mat. So this, the rain was so bad when athletes were coming into transition two off the bike to go out on the run course that the link between the laptop and the tracking stopped. So I couldn't get anybody's details. So I thought I was so amazing in the morning because I had all the details of everybody had all their stories. I could share everything. And then suddenly the system went down and I went and I stood in the middle of transition. And as I said, I would do in the Aquathon, if I didn't know somebody, I made up a story. And so I made up stories about everybody coming in. I looked at the tri-suits. I told stories about Galway, about Salt Hill, where the race was. And after that, um, I basically got asked would I be interested in joining the Ironman UK slash Ireland team. And that was the start of it. That was 2011. Um, fast forward to 2012. I did a couple of gigs here then locally um, just to get practice at being a race announcer because I'd, I'd never done it. I'd done it twice in my life. And here I was going to be heading over to the UK to host the European Championships for the 5150 in Liverpool in June of 2012. And so then the rest of it really is history. I was still working as a fundraiser. Um, I stayed working as a fundraiser. I changed organisations, but stayed working as a fundraiser right through to 2015. Continued to work with Ironman UK and the Irish races. And I did a couple of races abroad. And then I went to Kona in 2015. And for the first time ever in my I suppose, adult life working, I turned off my work phone while I was in Hawaii and I just had my personal phone and it was the first time I'd ever done it. And I said that if I did that and I absolutely 
um, threw myself into the sport and into the World Championships in Hawaii. I was over there with Try 247, a media organisation, interviewing athletes and just kind of getting a feel for the place and a sense of, of what the World Championships were like. And I came home from Hawaii and I said, OK, this is this is what I want to do. I want to be in sport full time. I've been doing this for I suppose 2011 at that stage and uh, I had a good handle on, on it and had started building the brand Try Talking Sports since 2014. So my reputation was obviously lifting as well as, as a race announcer and my profile. And so I came home from Hawaii and handed in my notice and then launched Try Talking Sport officially then in, in 2016. And so that kind of really was the start of it um, in terms of being on my own and uh, working as a race announcer uh, across the board. And so, yeah, I've just continued to build the brand and build the business since then. Um, so I do lots of bits and pieces. I don't, don't just do race announcing. I do event management and consultancy as well and marketing background and obviously have my own podcast. So it's really busy. It's very, um, no two days are the same, even though you would think that sometimes there's a lot of Groundhog Day going on. Um, but yeah, it's super, like it's it's fabulous. And I've managed to to race as well, um, bike races, triathlons, long distance swims. So I've kind of been able to maximise the tri lifestyle to a point. Uh, but this year, definitely there's a bigger, bigger element of wanting to embrace the tri life a bit more this year. Mm. So that injury that you talked about that kept you out of the race was that fractured pelvis. And you look upon it now as hindsight, as they say, is 2020. But in those moments where we're injured, where the sport, you know, where we're taken out of our sport, we can get really caught up in like the, oh, like in that moment of, you know, what seems to be so obvious. And this is an injury that that shifted a trajectory in your life and really brought you into what you're doing now, which seems to be your, as we would say in the yoga world, your dharma, uh, your purpose. Have you held on to that in a sense of like, it's helped you move through darker times or more challenging times because in what seems to be so obvious in a moment, like something that feels really disappointing, have you been able to kind of hold that bigger picture that, you know, you don't know the whole story yet. You don't know how it's all going to end up, um, you know, as it unfolds. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this time last year, I was actually injured. I've been injured twice properly. So two fractured pelvis, one in 2011, one in 2014. But actually last year I got um, hit by a car um, very gently, not too much damage done to myself or the car, but because it was whiplash, I wasn't allowed to train. So now when I'm training and I think of, God, I really don't want to go out and do that run, I think, well, this time last year, I couldn't do it. So there's definitely a sense of, well, you know, I couldn't do this this time last year. I get to do this now. So go and do it because this time last year you were so angry and annoyed that you couldn't train or you couldn't do that. It kind of does spur you on. And definitely when I look back at 2011 and the opportunities that I have been afforded at 2011, even 2014, I was supposed to race Ironman Austria um, and my housemate was racing as well. So every time he was out on his long bikes, I worked on my brand. So my deal was you go do your bike. I can't train. So I'm going to work on my business. This is where I want to go. I want to be. So you're on your road to your Ironman finish line. I'm on my road to my new full-time career. And that's kind of, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, lots of times you kind of look back and you go, God, 
everything happens for a reason. Sometimes we can't see the reasons why. Um, but yeah, definitely I, I look at things and I go, gosh, yeah, I'm lucky to get to do this. And I'm very glad to get to do this. Yeah. I think we, we grip so tightly on the, the way that we have a plan and we grip tightly on, okay, well, this is going to be the execution. It's going to go exactly like this. And I, I, I can actually place myself in that scene with you and your roommate and he's going out and training and you're like, you could easily, easily just sit on the couch and be like, I'll just have to wait till I heal up. And I'm so sad. Like I can't train, can't do anything. And you, you shift or a lot of us shift into that all or nothing. It's either I'm going to train or I'm not going to do anything, but it seems in a few times here, you've shown the thread of, of being in that, um, solution energy. You found some way to keep momentum moving forward, whether you went into the transition zone and started making up stories, uh, you started to work on your brand. You're always doing something. So I guess my question is, was there ever a time or is this just your natural state? Was there a time of like, uh, I, I was like that at one time and I did, I wasn't all or nothing person, but now I've shifted to something is better than nothing. Yeah, I don't know, actually. I've never kind of questioned mm. um, questioned that. I suppose I've always been solution focused, you know, and I've always kind of looked at the bigger picture, like what's next? You know, where where can we go? What can we do? Um, and where are the opportunities? I, I think I've probably always been like that. Uh, my mum reckoned I should have been an engineer because I'm always trying to find uh, solutions <laughs> to things that probably don't even need solutions. So I don't know if that, that answers your question, but um yeah, definitely always kind of looking to the future. And and I suppose the other thing as well is, you know, in everything that I probably do, I'm trying to see, you know, how can we maximize the potential or how can we help other people, you know, or how can we encourage and inspire more people to do things? So, you know, you were very generous in your um, your introduction of me earlier and I'm there going, oh my God, that's definitely not me. But then I think about it and I'm I'm like, wow, well, yeah, I have this huge opportunity and this platform to be able to inspire and encourage more people to do what they want to do. And whether that's triathlon, well and good. And if it's not, then that's fine too, as long as people find something that gives them a sense of purpose, happiness, social connections, um, and a great lifestyle and a great life. Because for me, that was what I found with triathlon. So it's not always triathlon. Sometimes it's cycling. Sometimes it's swimming. But it's the, I suppose, the overarching theme of my life revolves around triathlon, whether that's me racing it or me standing on the sidelines, encouraging other people to do it or be at the finish line of a, of a race and be the voice that says you are an Ironman to the people who've dedicated, you know, years of their lives or six months of their lives or six weeks to becoming an Ironman. So, um, yeah, I guess I've always kind of been look into the fo- look into the future and just trying to help. Yeah, definitely. I'm a helper rather than a taker away if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're a leader, you're a leader and you can feel that in the energy. And so people want more of that and you don't have to know the answer why. Um, I love asking that question, but sometimes we just, it's just who we are. It's our nature. It's mm. just, it's just, uh, what we exude and people see that and they crave that and they want that. Um, and you just mentioned the words that are just so powerful. Um, you are an Ironman to so many individuals out there. Do you remember the first time you were able to uh, share those words? Yeah, it was uh, Ironman Wales in 2012. And I absolutely love Ironman Wales. It is one of the best races in the world. Standing on North Beach with Gosker Rock in front of you 
and the sun rising behind the rock. You've got a natural amphitheater behind us. You've got thousands, and I mean literally thousands of people at the top of the cliff. You've a few thousand athletes on the ground, on the beach, and the national anthem of Wales is played and then Thunderstruck goes and the gun goes and then the race starts. And it is incredible. It is one of the best ever start lines. And the race itself is a tough race. It's one of the toughest races for athletes. You're battling the wind, you're battling the hills, you're battling the elements. Sometimes we get a nice sunny day and they're battling the heat, which athletes in the UK are not used to (laughs) primarily. Um, But it is an iconic race. And the finish line, uh, just overlooking South Beach, the Esplanade there is absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, the first time I got to call an athlete, an Ironman was in Wales. And forever will be my favourite race. I don't care where I am. Even Kona, Wales still outshines Kona. And in 2023, we had an epic day last year. And there's a photograph that Hugh Faircloth took um, of the finish line from above, a drone photo. And it just shows the Esplanade, you know, 10, 15 people deep at midnight. The race, 15 minutes to the end of the race. And it's the whole way down the Esplanade. It is just, it's goosebumps. It is goosebumps. Yeah. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's an incredible race. I definitely would recommend anybody who's coming to the UK to race uh, or to Europe to race an Ironman to look at Ironman Wales. It's in September every year. They can slay the dragon whilst becoming an Ironman. I think you just inspired a lot know, of people like, to do Ironman Wales. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. Even though I've seen the videos where I'm like, oh, the I would never too. do that. <laughs> no way. But now. It's all about your mindset. It's yeah, all about your mindset. You, are, you are in marketing. Um, okay, so th- let's dispel the myth that, you know, being a race announcer is so great. You just show up and you just like lead the party. But I know that there's a lot more that goes into it and it's not just the day, it's all the preparation and everything. So tell us like leading into, let's, let's go to 2023 world championship, the first all female world championship on the big Island. Let's talk about what, I, I don't even want to say like it was the week or the day of or whatever, like tell us about the preparation and that whole experience, uh, on the big Island this year. I don't think we have enough time left in the podcast <laughs> to describe it. <laughs> uh, if I was to describe it, um, it was intense, immense, and incredible. I've said that before. Um, the The week itself is just, oh, it's just, it's, it's actually really hard to put it into words. Um, obviously, a big change having um, the, the women there this year on their, or last year on their own, which is absolutely amazing. Um, the energy, the, the pressure, <laughs> the pressure that the athletes put themselves under, the pressure that Ironman put themselves under, the pressure that we as race announcers put ourselves under to just have the most incredible day for the athletes was just insane. But it wasn't just about race day. It was everything, like the whole week, the build up, um, seeing so many people there. So many people had had qualified. Seeing all the men supporting the women was amazing as well. You know, it wasn't just all about the women. There was plenty of men there, which was lovely to see as well. Um, In terms of preparation, it's kind of hard to put it into words because I didn't, I was lead announcer. But I didn't really understand what that meant until I kind of got there. I knew I was lead announcer going into it, which meant, 
you know, your front and centre on race day, the first words the athletes will hear, the last words the athletes will hear. You know, um, I knew I probably would anchor some of the banquets. I knew I probably would do a press conference, uh, potentially the post-race press conference. But beyond that, I kind of didn't think about it. I knew race day, I'd be calling the winners down the finish line um, and then be on the finish line quite a bit. But beyond that, I kind of didn't really think about it. And then I got to Kona and it was like, okay, Joanne, here's your schedule. You'll be doing the Heroes of Hawaii, the VIP reception, the the Hall of Fame induction. You're going to be anchoring the banquets. You're going to be la, 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 la. I was like, oh my God. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. It was so cool. So much stress and pressure. But we had a fabulous team from the Ironman team that would deal with us directly to um, say in terms of our production and all the events, the side events, everything to our own announcing team as well. Like they were super. We had so much fun. The pressure was immense on all of us to make sure that the athletes had this magical experience on race day, that everybody got to the finish line because that's all we want really. We want every athlete to get to the finish line and to hear those words and to hear them on Elite Drive um, and to be the first woman ever to call an Ironman World Champion down the finish line um, and for it to be Lucy Charles Barkley, it was the highlight, I'd say, of my career. Never mind the highlight of 2023. You know, um, it's just so special. And Nice was amazing as well. I was in Nice as well. I missed race day itself, but the build up to Nice. So I just want to throw a few words about Nice as well, because I know the women are racing in Nice uh, this year. This race was epic as well. Um, and even the build up to it as well, like the Côte d'Azur is amazing. The Prom d'Anglais, um, the people of Nice, the, the athletes that were there as well. It was great to see. We had so many women there supporting the men. Um, and the tables are turned for 2024. And if you're an athlete who is on the cusp of qualifying or thinking of going to Nice, don't think about it. Just take your opportunity and go and do it. It is a world championship race. And I'm not sure if you've seen the... Um, the World Championship documentary. It was nearly three hours of an outside broadcast. I know it's on YouTube now, but it, if you haven't watched it, I know I'm biased and I know my voice is in it. And so I have a special connection to the race, but take all that away from it. It is incredible. And to watch it was just amazing. So put on the popcorn, sit down, watch it. Don't watch it on the turbo because you'll be too busy concentrating on your no numbers, but sit down and just watch it like you're in a cinema because it is amazing um, and it captures the essence of a lot of what the World Championship is about as well. And the stories that are told um, are so good. Some of the pro athletes, some age group inspiring athletes as well. Um, so, yeah, look, it was I don't know if I've answered your question there, but it was just amazing in terms of the preparation that went into it. Really don't have enough time to tell you how much work went into actually preparing for each individual event, never mind just for for race day or for a press conference. You know, there was ongoing preparation and um you know from back in August I was preparing for Kona you know back in August I was preparing getting my notes together you know always constantly seeing who's qualified for Kona updating my own professional athlete notes um but we would do that a lot of the time as well anyway you know when we have pros racing at events or who are the age groupers that are going who are the inspiring stories um and then just managing your own energy as well as hugely important because whilst race day is the most important day, it's a race week experience and there's so much other stuff that you have to be cognizant of as well. Um, but yeah, very, very lucky to 
have had the opportunity to be the lead announcer and to be a female announcer and to be part of that team. Like very, very proud of what we achieved as a team um, across the board uh, for the World Championships this year. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Nice too and and brought that element into it because uh, there is media and press surrounding it as being a challenging, difficult course, probably like Wales is as well, but you can easily paint a nice pretty picture of that. Um, But both Nice for the women and your experience commentating at at Ironman, many, many moments of of, um, pressure. There could be pressure. So how, and maybe this will help uh, women who are looking to possibly you know, or are fearful of needs, how do you find your calm or how do you, how do you not get wrapped up in everything that needs to get done or that's out of your control and find your, your center point of, of calm and purpose? Well, it all comes down to preparation really, doesn't it? No matter whether you're an athlete or a race announcer, you, as I mentioned there, you know, the preparation for Kona for a race announcer is weeks in advance. It's not just on the day, same for the athletes. And if somebody's racing in Nice, the swim is fabulous. Uh, the, the run is flat. So the biggest thing you need to work on, if I was a coach, I'd be telling athletes, work on your cycling and on your uh, climbing skills and your descending skills because Nice is hilly. Um, it's a challenging bike course worthy of a world championship. And as we see from the footage and as we saw from the live show, there's plenty and plenty of climbing. Um, but being able to go up, you've got to be able to come back down again as well. Um, so it's just practice and preparation. And I think a lot of visualization as well. I think I probably, without realizing it, I probably visualize myself in positions as well where I'm thinking, okay, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to feel like. Um, and lots of practice as well. I remember before I went out to call Lucy down the finish line, I turned around to Paul Kay in the tower and I said, how do you call a world champion on the finish line? What, what do I actually say? And so he kind of said something and I said, oh yeah, okay, I, I don't like the way you said that now, I think. Um, or maybe I said, yeah, that's good, but I need to put it in my own words and what will come naturally. So I kind of think I practiced before I went down to the, so we were up in the tower. And so I went down onto the finish line and in my head, whilst there was a bit of a break where I was announcing, I was like, Okay, so what do I say? Okay, so I need to get in. You are an Ironman World Champion, but I also need to get in VinFast Ironman World Championship. So we're ha- so I just kind of practiced in my head whilst I was <laughs> on the microphone. Now that was probably very late thinking about how I was going to call the World Champion down the finish line, but at the same time, just that split second of okay, how do we how do we do this? And as a race announcer, I suppose a lot of things happen on the fly as well. So the race changes. So, you know, if um, if Laura Phillip had passed uh, Anna Haug, there would have been a change. I wouldn't have seen it because I had no tracker. I only had what was behind me. So I had to be able to recognise who was coming down the finish line before they hit the spotter mat to say the name over the, the gantry. So there's lots of things like that that you're kind of watching around for um, as well. And, and I suppose as an athlete, you have to be on the fly as well. If you drop your nutrition, how are you going to salvage your race on a bike course if you miss an aid station stop if you your gel goes halfway down your top instead of into your tummy you know you're going to bonk in the run course um so yeah and to kind of stay calm it's just knowing that you've done everything that you can do to be the best that you can be at what you're being asked to do I don't know yeah that's a long way of saying it but literally you're you're in the position because you're good enough to be in the position and you've earned being there, you would assume. And so then you just have to be yourself and do what you can do. And if somebody doesn't like it, they'll tell you. 
or you won't get there again. <laughs> Do you know that kind of way? So there's a lot about having a little bit of self-belief and self-confidence as well, that you've worked hard to get to this point. A world championship, as I mentioned, is a huge amount of pressure, but so is being a lead announcer at Ironman Wales because they're still all Ironman athletes. They're still all racing and wanting to get to the finish line. They're still expecting an Ironman um, experience uh, on the finish line, even Ironman 70.3, but it goes across everything. So when I work for gymnastics, for example, or I work for Triathlon Ireland or for Athletics Ireland, you're representing their brand. You're the voice of their event. You want the athletes to enjoy it. So you take on the responsibility of making sure that the brand is well represented in how you represent yourself on the finish line or as part of their welcome ceremony or their awards or whatever the event is. Um, So yeah, being in the moment whilst you're there, but also having practiced and being prepared, I think are probably the two key elements. And I think that goes across every aspect of life, not just as a race announcer or as an athlete. Um, I think it goes across everywhere, being prepared and just being yourself. Mm. You know, there's a lot of comparison energy that can show up in triathlon, right? We and, and we work with our athletes on this as well. You know, they go into transition, you see everybody's like, all, all you see are the bikes that are better than yours, you know? Um, and this idea of like, yeah, comparison and and that really takes us outside of being ourselves. Um, so somebody who is, I guess I'm going to ask you for a little bit of insight or wisdom or advice for athletes that are listening to this. Like you said, you know, not everybody's going to like what you say or not everybody's going to like how you announce. How do you step back from that and say, you know, and, and, and rest back into, well, I did the best I could do, you know, as opposed to getting caught up in that comparison energy like, for example, following in the footsteps of, you know, Mike Riley, who, you know, he was, he was the one for so long. And of course now it's expanded with the growth of the sport and Ironman specifically, but yeah, how do you, what would you say to somebody who gets caught up in that? Like, how do you, how do you be yourself? Cause I think a lot of going long and being an endurance athlete is really like, we're trying to figure out who we are. Yeah. And everybody's an individual. I think at the ultimate point is that Mike, you know, bring it back to Mike Riley. He is, it's not that he was the voice. He still is the voice of Ironman and forever will be the voice of Ironman. I can't compare to that. Paul Kay can't compare to that. Any of the rest of us, we will never be Mike Riley. I'll always be Joanne Murphy. Paul Kay will always be Paul Kay. And we just have to find how we fit into this new world where Mike Riley isn't on a finish line. And so there's a lot of adaptation has to happen from our perspective and then from the athlete's perspective as well, who are expecting to hear Mike Riley on the finish line in Kona. I'm sure there were athletes who were devastated, devastated that Mike Riley was not there this year and that they got me on the finish line. I'm sure there were, like there probably were, you know, but that's just the nature of the game. And so there are athletes who were thrilled that it was an Irish female announcer who was on the finish line. They were thrilled that it was Carissa Galloway from Florida who was on the finish line or Paul Kay or that it was the crazy Frenchman, Jay Styles who was on the finish, riling up the crowds in Kona. You know, um, 
But I think we all, regardless of who we are, human nature is that we compare ourselves to everybody else. I mean, isn't that one of the bad things of social media that we're looking at all these skinny, fit, athletic people as I sit here in my office waiting to go for a swim going, if I lost 10 kg, I'd fly up the hills in Mallorca. But that's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, You know, so you just, I think you just have to be realistic. Like we're all, everybody is so individual that you can't compare. And yes, part of being an athlete is about comparing yourself to others, but it's about realistically comparing. Like, so you've an athlete in say the 55 to 65 category who gave up work five years ago and is full-time athlete. And then you have a 55 to 65 year old athlete who's caring for an elderly parent, has their kids still living at home or has somebody in college and has the stress of all these other bits of life that are affecting their training. How can they compare to the full-time athlete at 55 who's cleaning the boards. And I'm not saying that that's what happens, but how can two athletes compare? So you just don't know what's going on in people's lives behind the scenes. So all you can do is be the best that you can be. Um, And yes, triathlon is a race, but it's a race against yourself really, isn't it? Mm -hmm. In a way, but that's just life. So I think just as I went back to talking about being a race announcer, if, if you can prepare to the best of your ability and show up on the finish line or the start line, in the best possible shape for what you're able for, no matter whether that's work or play, then what else can you do? And I take a quote from Lucy Charles Barkley when I say that because um, we chatted after Kona and she said, you know, of all the training and everything that she did, she used to get up at five in the morning, drive for an hour, go for a swim in the pool with the squad and come home. And one of the questions that we got for her was, why would you get up at five in the morning to go swimming when you're a full-time athlete and you've all day to train? And she said, well, The squad, I'm paraphrasing now, but the squad that she wanted to train with, it was better to train with them than to train in the local pool and be pushed. But to have to drive an hour to go to training was a sacrifice she was willing to make because she wanted to stand on the start line in Kona, knowing that she had turned up to every single training session and had turned up in the best possible position that she could do to win the world championship. So if it's good enough for Lucy Charles Barkley, it's good enough for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It, it, and it's this, um, you just don't know. Like, I I don't know how difficult race announcing is because I haven't lived in your shoes, right? You can look at Lucy Charles Barkley and say, oh, all she needs to do is get up and train. And, oh, she's the best. But, I mean, she's driving an hour. She's doing, she's gritting it out, right? Like, she's she's getting up and she's showing up and she's doing the work. It's, none of it is none of it is fancy. It's us, you know, it's you having meetings all day. And now at 7 PM, you're going to go and you're going to swim. And, you know, you got to get dinner in there and you got to get rest because guess what? Tomorrow it starts all over again. And so to compare ourselves, you know, what we're just seeing is we're just seeing this kind of outer shell of, of our projection of what we think somebody's life is. But I think that that's a gift of, of triathlon and endurance sports is that we do get to learn about ourselves. Um, we get to see how we show up in those times of pressure and when we drop the nutrition and when we, you know, when we crush our, our goal time and when we do something we didn't think was possible. It's just, it's such an incredible, inspiring thing, whether you're on the sidelines or whether you're within those, within that fencing and, and you have that athlete bracelet on. It's just, man, I, I just don't know anything else in this life that, um, that is as inspiring for others and and within our own self of of what is possible. It's really beautiful. Yeah, and I, I think as well, you know, if you look at what people 
a lot of athletes are high achieving athletes and you look at you know what people have overcome to get to the start line never mind complete a middle distance or a long distance race even to do a sprint triathlon for me back in 2009 I couldn't do it but the sense of achievement that I had doing the bike and run part of that relay was that oh my word this is my new life I am hooked but it was a sense of achievement it wasn't that I did well on the day or anything but it was just wow the adrenaline the endorphins a job well done and and we get that as race announcers as well like we feed off the energy of the athletes the emotion the excitement the bitter disappointment um that some athletes will have because their day didn't go as planned um but the bottom line is at the end of the day every single person who crosses that finish line has achieved something great regardless of whether it's a 5k or it's an ironman so it's just the challenge is different for everybody. You know, it doesn't matter what the distance or what the race, because we never know what's happening behind the scenes for each individual that's on that start line. And I think that's very important. And so as a race announcer, you're very cognizant of that. So I would do 5K races. And I think the people doing 5Ks are brilliant. I, you know, I don't run much further than 5K at the moment myself. So I think we're all mighty. And then you see what people are doing and, you're just in awe and inspired, not only by their athletic achievements, but by what they've overcome to get to that start line and indeed then to get to that finish line. Because it's not a straight line. Mm-mm. No, not at all. Not at all. And looping back to like just f- f- finding s- finding uh, joy in community and passion in community. You know, I used to go to races because I raced and then I was injured and then it became about, I just want to go for that 11 to 12, 15 PM Ironman finish and just watch and cheer on these people. And so I I just go to Ironmans now to just go hang out sometimes. Just be, we need to get you a job. (laughs) Okay. Volunteer on the finish line. (laughs) I love it. I love that energy that's there. That, that draws me that, that can feed me for, for weeks and months in my own training to be on the finish line, uh, or to watch people welcome them in and, and I'm sure you feel it as well, calling those final few people in. But I also bet you feel some sort of like, well, those those three or four people you know are like just a mile out and they've already like, it's like a song starts playing and it's like the, the lights start coming down and, and you have to or almost detach from that, detach from the, you're not going to be able to save them or call them, but they're still going to finish to your point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's. I think it's slightly different with races in the States versus races in the UK, you know, in terms of how the cutoffs are operated. So we don't finish sometimes with the lights going down and, and things like that. The athletes are cut off at a at a lap a little bit earlier, so they don't get the opportunity to come to come down the finish line. It's slightly different, I think, depending on what part of the world you're in. But absolutely, like it's heartbreaking for the athletes that can't make it. Uh, down the finish line in time or, or hear those words, you are an Ironman. The closest one we got uh, was um, five seconds in Bolton, Ironman UK in Bolton in 2022. And the guy... Dave, I can't remember his surname now, running to coming down the finish line. You run past the finish line and you go do another lap and then you can come into the finish. You have to run past us four times and then you come into the finish line, the full distance race. And it was 
it was really, really tight. So the 17 hour cutoff was coming. It had been a rolling start. So, you know, we didn't know whether he was going to make it or not. And when he crossed the finish line, he collapsed. He's on the ground and I'm at the clock going, it's 16, 59, 56. And there's a photograph of me just jumping in the air. I'm actually airborne, like with pure joy and relief that he made it within like the four seconds. He could have so easily have slowed down on the finish line and been over the 17 hours. But he was definitely the hero of the race um, for, for that year. But then there's so many other stories behind it that, you know, maybe don't make it in the the swim cutoff. You know, they don't make it on the second lap of the bike and then they just can't finish the run. So, you know, I suppose the sport is one that you need to have resilience to be able to do it. And so we see a lot of people who don't make it in one year will come back and try it another year. You know, and they make tweaks. They make tweaks to what they're doing, to what they're training. Maybe they change up some of the things in the background that might have prevented them from being able to get to their training to be able to put in the miles to to do an Ironman. Um, but it shows great character for the people, I think, that don't make the cutoff in one year, but that will be so motivated to come back to get to that finish line to hear those four words the following year. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, to go back to something we talked about earlier, you know, you, if somebody doesn't make a cutoff or they DNF or they even DNS, like you don't know the whole story yet. Like keep going, get up the next day, you know, reset your dreams, reset those goals, make the changes you can control what you can control and, uh, and keep moving forward. And we come back to Lucy Charles four times second at the Ironman World Championship. Now, I'm not taking anything away from being second at an Ironman World Championship because that is absolutely incredible. But imagine how hard it was for her to stand on the start line in 2023 and go, is this going to be my year or am I going to be fifth again? Or am I going to even podium? So, you know, I I think if we fail, we get get up and we go again. Oh, heck yes. Absolutely. Um, so Ironman specifically, where are we going to see you this year? Are you going to be over in the States at all? Selfishly, I'm curious <laughs> about that. Um, but yeah, where are you going to be this year? Um, I haven't fully confirmed my schedule for this year, so I won't be releasing any locations for the moment. Let's just say I'll be in a few different uh, places in a few different continents and having lots of fun. Okay. Well, we need to get you over here to announce... Um, Oceanside. Cause that's just <gasps> such a killer race. I mean, what a great, yeah. you know, kind of like a classic US season opener. And of course, as I'm sure you know, just you know, calls in such an A-list mm-hmm. of athletes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that vision that you'll be here <laughs> down the street. <laughs> I from might us. put that vision in too. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I yeah, I I don't know uh fully where where I'll be. So um, I have an idea and, um, yeah, but until you know yourself, until the contract is in your hand, you just don't oh, want no. to preempt mm-hmm. anything by saying anything until it's all signed, sealed and, and delivered. But, um, yeah, it's, a, it's going to be a good season again. Very excited to, to be, be able to do what I do every day. Um, and hopefully I will finish the race in Majorca on the 11th of May as well. So Paul Kay will get to call me across the line there. Um, if I make it in in time. Oh, wonderful. When you make it in. Yeah, time. when you make when it you in. When you make it in. <laughs> when yes, when it. I make it in time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a qu- quick question about how do you take care of your voice? Like, is there any protocol or anything you do to 
to preserve that, um, whether in preparation or during the, the day, like just to not, you know, lose it. Yeah. So my, my social life takes a hit oh, because I can't be in loud pubs or loud bars or, uh, I have to be really cognizant of noise around me when I'm trying to talk. Now I am at the end of a little, either a little head cold or a little sinus thing. So I sound quite nasally at the moment. It's all that swimming in the chlorine is probably affecting my sinuses. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I very consciously, um, don't go out uh, the week of, if there's a race on, I wouldn't be out in the pub or when we're away in the UK, you know, we would have our dinner and I'd come home and just try and sleep um, as much as possible, especially around uh, race day. Not always possible. Lots of water, um, lots of coffee, which probably isn't good for me, but then uh, honey on toast is very good. Actually, crisps and chips, which is not good for my figure, but good for um, my throat. So the oil in the throat is kind of good. And as anybody who knows me on the Ironman team knows, I'm a little partial to a nice, good Irish whiskey. Not the American crap that you guys have, because it's terrible. Um, but the really good Irish whiskey is known to travel uh, around the world with me as well. So God bless duty free. Um, so a little bit of whiskey to help me sleep. And then obviously it's got a little bit of lubrication as well but just staying hydrated and um actually in Kona at the hot corner when Lucy was coming in off the bike I got so excited that I really pushed my voice and I thought oh my word it's you know it's I don't know was it one o'clock in the afternoon and I thought I've just killed myself my voice is going to go I'm not going to last for the night so then I was very conscious of like okay pull it back raise the microphone a little bit pull back the voice and it's not always possible to to mind it like but you, when you're doing a full distance race, you want to be able to give the last person who crosses the line the same energy that you gave the first person. And then you have to go and do awards the next day as well. So you're probably only getting four or five hours of sleep that night mm. and then have to turn around and present the next day. So you want your voice to um, to be good. But then once I finish race day, I don't talk to anybody for a while. I'll just try and stay quiet or I'll whisper or yeah. So, but it's, it's just... Uh, trying to stay on top of it um, and stay hydrated. Eat crisps. <laughs> Love it. All right. As we, uh, <clears throat> as we wrap this up, I've heard you talk about the importance of being grateful. And I wanted to ask, what are you, what are you grateful for just in this moment right now? Oh God. Uh, grateful to be here. Grateful to have the opportunity to pursue what I absolutely love as a life and a lifestyle. And, um, yeah, grateful to just have the opportunity for another year doing what I love and to have had the opportunities to get where I am today, really, I think. Um, yeah. And to not be injured and to be training and mm. to just be like on a little bit of a break and having some fun. That's it, I think, possibly. Beautiful. Uh, where can people find you, follow you and, and hear your voice more, not <laughs> just on the finish line? <laughs> uh, so try talking sport T-R-I talking sport is probably the easiest thing to to do so you can just google that you can find me on Facebook Instagram Twitter LinkedIn all the socials almost and then the podcast as well try talking sport beautiful thanks so Good. much Joanne thank you thank you so much I look forward to seeing you in San Diego mm. at some point yes fantastic well I might have a little whiskey. You'll have to bring it over. Um, but no I, problem. I would do that for you because you can show me the good stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you.